everybody. Welcome or welcome back to the Fuel Church Podcast. We're so excited that you're joining us today. We want to thank all of you that give generously to this ministry. It's because of your giving that this ministry is possible. To give, you can visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy! in week number one of a message series called Don't Drink the Poison. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, don't drink the poison. No, no, no. I've been preaching my heart out all day, so I'm going to need a little more enthusiasm from the one o'clock because I've been told the one is the one, right? Is the one still the one? Because I want you to look around. The one is growing, Okay. The numbers show us that in the last four weeks, the, nu- the one has grown more than the 10 and the 1130. Come on, one o'clock. Make some noise for that. Yeah. Not only today, not only today did you get to sleep in, but you got to sleep in an extra hour. So that means extra amens, extra amen, pastor. Preach it, white boy. You know, extra everything. So I need you to warm up your ameners because I got a message today, and it may be a little uncomfortable for us to digest, but how many of you know sometimes God's word, it kind of hurt. It's like the medicine. You know, your mama used to give you that medicine on the spoon. Come on, how many of you, your mom put on the spoon? Just take it. Hold, yep, take, yep, just swallow, and then it's over. But the aftertaste, ooh, better get you some juice for that. But we're in our brand new message series called Don't Drink the Poison, and I got a question for you. How many have noticed of recent how many notice of recent that there are so many people today that are incredibly easily offended? Mmm, mmm. Did you hear that? Mmm. Furthermore, how many notice that oftentimes, oftentimes, it's Christians that are the most easily offended? It's Christians. And if we're not careful, we all can come to a place in our walk where we feel it's our job to be offended about anything and everything that doesn't line up with what we believe. If someone sees different than us, then we feel that it's our job to get offended. If someone doesn't believe what we believe, if someone doesn't vote the way we vote, we are easily offended. And all this really ramped up uh, 19 months ago, uh, March 2020, and our nation and country has never been the same. And I firmly believe there was a shift, not only in the natural, but in the spirit realm. And we have seen Christians more than ever so easily offended, and not just offended, but hateful, mean, mean towards other people. And so God told me a few months ago to go to this series on offense, and you're going to hear more about my story. Um, But I think, you know, when we side with this offense, um, we're quick to point out other people's faults and failures and get angry for what our righteous cause is and, and stomp our feet and pound our fists because this is our issue and everybody needs to get mad about this and, and uh, we can get angry. And if anyone dares to say anything, if anyone dares to post anything, come on now, that's different from our beliefs, we get mad and we get offended. And we find ourselves right there. In that spot, we find ourselves drinking the poison of offense. Now, in this cup of poison is a mixed drink of bitterness, anger, 
resentment and unforgiveness. And here's our theme scripture for this series, Hebrews 12, 15. Watch out. Someone say, watch out. That no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. We're going to talk more about that root in the weeks to come. Corrupting many. Notice what the writer says. Hey, you need to watch out because there's some offense, some resentment, some bitterness that wants to take root. Someone say root. And when it takes root, it, it causes harm to you. It causes trouble to you, but not only to you, everyone you're in contact with now is affected or infected, infected by that poison. What poison are you drinking and what poison are you passing to others to drink? I'm going to get you thinking today. I'm going to get you thinking. Now, I probably will say something in this series that will offend you. Okay? Because as I was prepping this series, I began to see within my heart, Jacob, the Christ follower's heart, I begin to see areas where I'm easily offended. And if I were honest with you, one of the many reasons I took an exit from social media a year and a half ago was because I started to see I was getting easily offended with people posting things and saying things. And it was mainly Christians that were offending me. And Christians I was looking sideways at, right? Come on now. And so I'm probably going to say something in this series that will offend. The good news is, though, today, if, if I say something today that offends you, you've got three more weeks to get it right. You're a little slow in the back, but you're worth waiting on. The goal of this series, O church, is to help each and every one of us to get over being easily offended and to get over our anger and our unforgiveness. That's why I've titled today's message, Stop Being Offended. I want you to look at your neighbor in the eyes and say, Stop Being Offended. Some of you aren't participating, so I'm going to do it again. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, stop being offended. Some of you are offended right now that they didn't look at you. Some of you are offended in the tone that they said it in. Some of you are offended that they didn't say it hard enough or soft enough. See, easily offended. Some of you are offended that the coffee today at the coffee bar was too weak or too strong. You were offended at the lights. You were off- anyway, we could keep going on. But today is the introduction to this series, and each week I want to encourage you. Lean in with me for these next four weeks. Lean in with me. We're going to unpack this series, and uh, each message is going to build upon each other. Today, we're going to gather some insights from the book of James. James was the half-brother of Jesus, half-brother of Jesus, and he has a principle in his book that is going to guide us today. James 1.19. Look at this. If you have your Bibles, turn there. My brothers and sisters, take note of this. Someone say take note. Everyone. Who? Just some people? No. Everyone should be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Everyone. I I want you to ask yourself this question. How am I doing with this assignment? How am I doing with this assignment? Pastor James said, Everyone should be quick, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. 
And I just believe we live in a culture now where not many people are listening. We're not listening. We're not listening. We're fast to speak our opinions. And, and I always say this, I will always have an opinion, but I don't always have to share it. We're fast to just fire away. If something doesn't line up with us, our belief, our political views, it's fast to just jab somebody with some words. And we're easily offended and often angry. If you look at the life of Jesus, you see that he lived this way. He lived a life of slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger. And he's our example, right? He's who we follow. And actually, if you study out his time in the Gospels, um, we see that Jesus was directly, directly asked 183 questions to him. 183 questions were asked to them, and he only answered three of the 183, by the way. But when Jesus was at time, when it was time to ask questions, he asked them 307 questions. Why? Because Jesus was others focused. He was willing to sit down and listen, even with people that didn't agree with him, who didn't live for him. Come on now who didn't act righteous, who were immoral and scandalous living, he was willing to sit down because he was slow to speak and quick to listen. So our assignment today is this, to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Are you with me so far? Have I offended you yet? Just hang on. It's coming. (laughs) When we think of that term slow to anger, I rewind to pre-COVID days, and I think about the things that used to anger us, and maybe more importantly, anger me, uh, some of the things that I would get angry about was somebody who does not have the ability to properly operate a motor vehicle on the road. Because obviously, if you want to go slow, you need to get in the right lane. And, And please stop testing the Jesus in me. Please stop testing the Jesus because I want to flip out when people don't know and when people don't use their turn signals. My Lord, have mercy. There's a reason you got them there. Come on now. And so, so those are some of the things, and you know, or maybe for you, it's someone cuts you off in traffic. Maybe for someone else, it's someone didn't respond quick enough to a text message. And we get easily offended and angry. Or what's even worse is, is um, they look at your text message but never send a response. And you're like, I seen the bubbles. <laughs> you're a liar. I didn't get your text message. Yes, you did. I seen the bubbles. I'm angry. I'm offended. I'm mad. I'm leaving the church. For some, it's, it's uh, this anger that happens during uh, when you're watching a movie. You're at the movie theater, and someone decides to have a full-blown conversation next to you or in front of you or behind you. Or worse, their phone rings, and they actually pick it up and say hello and talk for five minutes. Or in my house, you know, I, I, my son's away at college, so pray for me. It's all women in my house now, except for the dogs, Jackson, Rocky. <laughs> Come on, they're my alpha dogs in the house. I need some males in the house. And when we watch a movie and the, the, the girls may know what's going to happen or they've seen it and daddy will be like, what's, okay, wh- who's he and, and who is she and what's going to happen at the end? And I try to get all the details and they're like, dad, will you just be quiet and watch the movie? 
Come on, how many are that, that person? You talk during the movie, you want to find out the deets? Come on now, you want to find it out? And so, so um, anger has evolved, though. Anger has evolved. Um, now on social media, we're, we're just so quick to speak and share our opinions. And it's not just sharing our opinions. What I have observed and seen is we're sharing a whole lot of hate. I said hate, H-A-T-E. A whole lot of hate. It's really not our opinions. Now we hate people because they look different than us, because they vote different than us. Are you vaxxed or no vaxxed? Are you masked or no mask? Are you Republican or you're Democrat? And now we just spew in hate because people believe different than us or act different than us or they don't hold on to, to what we hold on to, the truths that we hold on to, and we get very easily angered about our issue. And we all have our issue, right? We all have our issue that we can just, you know, post about and rant about, right? We all have our issue, and there are hundreds and thousands of issues out there, guys. But our issue is the only issue that matters in our eyes. Am I talking to anybody yet? I'll preach it to myself for the fifth time. It's fine. And whatever our issue is, that's, that's the major issue that people need to be upset about. And I'm upset that people aren't upset about my issue. And everyone should be mad about this issue. And when they're not, it makes me more angry. <laughs> I want you to look at your neighbor and say, are you an angry bird? Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I've found myself in the last 19 months easily agitated and more easily angered. And I don't think it's pleasing to God. I don't think it's pleasing to the heart of God. That Christians now are in a fight, in a battle that God didn't call us to. And we're putting our flag and we're standing our ground. And we think it's a righteous cause. Friend, it is not righteous when hate and anger come out of you towards someone who has opposing views. That is not righteous cause. I'm right and they're wrong. They're evil. They're idiots. They're all going to hell in a handbasket, right? And we can say all these things. And when we feel angry, guess what we normally feel? We feel morally superior to someone. Some of us like our anger. It's our friend. It's what we've seen from dad growing up. It's what we've seen from our uncle. It's how we get things done in the house. It's how we get our spouse to do something and our kids to do something. And we think it's justified. I'm smiling as I say all this. I know, it's that spoonful of medicine. It's hard to take in. We're easily angered. And I just don't think it's pleasing to God that the big C church, not just fuel church, that Christ followers are known for people who put down others, mock others, make fun of others, because of, we can fill in the blank, because of their political view, because of who they believe in, what higher power they believe in, because of their sexual orientation. And we're the, we, we have entered a fight that God didn't call us to fight. He said, fight the good fight of faith. He said, you're in a spiritual battle and take out the weapon, the word of God to fight our battle. He didn't say to fight each other. We've allowed anger to dominate our lives, and it's gave us a really bad witness in the church of recent. Are you still on the bus with me? We can make a stop if you want, but I would like you to stay on. 
question, church. So how effective has your anger been? Like, some think it's their job and duty to post a comment about every post that's put that's against your belief or your core values. How effective has that been? How effective have the social media fights in your life been? How many people have you won to Jesus? How many people have you shared the light of Jesus with as you're going off on your issue? How joyful and peaceful is your home? How has this benefited your marriage? Hmm? Is it really making a difference that you gave them a piece of your mind on Facebook? Are you pointing others to Jesus? Let me answer all those questions. No. We're not. We're not. And so let's look at our scripture again, and let's add verse 20. Everyone, someone say everyone, and I want you to get this, should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Watch this. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Your human anger, whatever it is, could be from the smallest offenses to the major betrayals of your life. Could be, I'm angry at the opposing political views or at the person who cut me off in the parking lot and threw up the middle finger. Hopefully not in the fuel church parking lot. We'll say that was the Sam Club club shoppers. Come on, laugh a little bit over here. Y'all are too serious. Whatever it is, we need to know this. We need to know this today. Your human anger, my human anger, does not produce the righteousness God desires. doesn't produce it. But my anger is a righteous anger, and I'm standing up against sin, and I got to tell the world, you need to repent. You need to turn or burn. Hmm? And I need to go to the corner and hold up a sign and say, repent, or you're going to go to hell. I think very little fruit has came from that type of evangelism. I don't really call it evangelism, (laughs) okay? And and, and so we're angry over maybe sin and, and, and maybe it's over something that does break the heart of God. There are things in my life that break the, I know that, you know, what I'm, the cause, it breaks God's heart and I totally get that, but as Christians, It's really easy to criticize others for the way they sin and call it a righteous anger. Stay with me. We call it a righteous anger when a lot of times I feel it's more of a self-righteous anger. We're, We're putting ourselves on a pedestal higher than them. We're saying we're better than you because we sin different than you. Oh, you do that sin? Oh, you partake in that? Oh, oh, you're going to split hell wide open, right? And so as Christians, come on, we're, we're Christ followers, most of us in here, I believe. We're Christ, as Christians, it's really easy to criticize someone's foul language, but ignore our own spiritual pride. Oh, I'm better than them because I read my Bible every day. I'm better than them because, you know, I, I, I go to church every week. It's real easy as Christians to judge their sexual sin. Oh, did you hear about them? Did you hear who they're sleeping with? 
It's real easy to judge sexual sin. We love doing that in the church. But let me just say, we love, Christians love doing that. It's like a soap opera, a Christian soap opera. We get to talk about everybody who's shacking up with everyone else in the church. We love doing that while we ignore our own gluttony. Have I offended you yet? Stay with me. It's easy to judge someone who isn't as faithful to us in tending church and in a small group and financially contributing to the church and look down upon them, but yet we've held on to an unforgiveness for 20 years with a family member that we won't let go of because they never said they were sorry because they never came to us and made it right. And yet we'll sit at a table with them in a few weeks and not say a word to them. I want to read to you a passage of scripture that most of us are familiar with. Jesus dealt with a self-righteous man who came to him and was pointing out a speck in his neighbor's eye. And Jesus is like, yo, you got a beam hanging out of your eye. You're worried about that. And I'm going to read this. It's not going to be on the screen, but I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. I love that translation. It says this, Matthew 7, 1 through 5, refuse to be a critic full of bias towards others. This is Jesus talking. And you will not be judged. For you'll be judged by the same standard that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. Why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own? How could you say to your friend, let me show you where you're wrong when you're guilty of even more? And he goes on to say, you're being hypercritical and a hypocrite. First, acknowledge and deal with your own blind spots, and then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spots of your friend. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. Once again, how effective has your anger been? Is it helping your marriage? Is it giving you a godly example to your kids? Is it allowing you to be a light shining in the darkness at your workplace? Is it bringing more joy and peace to your life? I think as followers of Jesus, we have a decision to make when we are tempted to get angry. And it's this. You ready? Do we want to make a point, our point, or do we want to make a difference? Because we're good at making our point, aren't we? This is my point, and this is what I'm standing on, and nothing's going to change me. Are we, do we want to make a point, or do we want to make a difference? Do we want to win arguments, or do we want to win hearts? Because when I look at the life of Jesus, he never called us to be right. Well, I'm right and they're wrong. He never called us to be right, but he did call us to be loving. He did call us to be loving. And actually, in Matthew's Gospel 22, one of the religious Pharisees came to him and said, Jesus, what's the most important in your kingdom? What is it? What is it? And this guy was thinking, man, he's going to say, fulfill all 600-plus laws. And Jesus boiled down 600-plus laws in the Old Testament that they had to abide by. And none of them could abide by him, by the way. And Jesus said, here's the most important. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. When you love your neighbor, you love God. When you love God, you love your neighbor. Huh? The way... To reach people is not to say, I'm right. The way to reach people is to show them the love of God. Proving your point never reaches their heart. Never reaches their heart. 
Jesus never told us we need to be right. He told us to love others. You say, well, pastor, what about this and everything going on in our nation? I know there's a lot going on in our nation that I don't agree with. There's a lot happening politically. There's a lot happening in our communities. I have very strong opinions, but I do not want my opinions to overrule my calling to share the love of Jesus with somebody else because the little things really don't matter in light of sharing the good news of the gospel, the hope found in Jesus Christ, the love that rescued me, the drug addict, and pulled me out of the pit. That's what matters, church. And we could try to win arguments, and we could try to win points, and we could try to blast them and say this and say that, and not ever reach their heart because I've learned this in life 25 years of serving the Lord. Hearts are rarely changed by anger, judgment, and accusations, but hearts are always changed by empathy, compassion, grace. Hope, love, let's lead with love, not anger. How do we, how do we, how do we let go of the anger? How do we overcome the fences? Offenses. Number one, lower your expectations of others. Lower. (laughs) Guess what? We're all human and we're going to hurt. We're going to hurt each other, right? At certain times, like this week, you're going to have opportunity. Someone's not going to text you back. Someone's not going to call you back. Someone's not going to show up to your thing, your birthday party, your celebration, your kid's party. Come on now. So someone's going to forget your birthday and, and, and you're going to be incredibly disappointed. And we're going to say, I can't believe they let me down, but they're human. And we've let others down. I've let people down. You've let people down. We're human. And we're going to let others down at some point. And Paul tells us what people are going to be like in the end times. So we should expect this. We should expect this of people. 2 Timothy 3, people will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And you're shocked that they didn't call you back. And you're offended that they didn't reply to you within 10 minutes. People do sinful things. If you're not Jesus, you're not perfect. You're not perfect. Newsflash, you ain't perfect. (laughs) I'm having fun. Somebody's offended though. Newsflash, I may let you down. I'm not perfect. Newsflash, someone in our leadership or staff may let you down. They're not perfect. And when we do let you down, please don't say God's not real. And please don't say the church betrayed you. No, no, God is real and the church did not betray you. A human who is flawed, who lives in a flesh suit, who is not perfect, let you down. God did not let you down. The church did not let you down. You say, why do you say that, Pastor? Because that's the two things I've heard for 19 months from people. Leaders in this church. The church, the pastor, they let me down. I'm I'm turning my back on God. 
And it's almost like they blame shift for their own spiritual apathy. Back to the notes. I'm almost done. I really am. What happens when someone offends you is they're a sinful, imperfect person that wasn't perfect, just like you're not perfect. And Jesus, I love this, because he had every opportunity to be offended. (laughs) You got to read the Gospels. He had every opportunity. I mean, one time he went to a well and was talking to a woman, having a conversation with her. And he knew she already had four husbands. She's shacking up with Freaky Freddy, come on, doing the thing, thing. He knew, but he, he, he sat down and he began to have a conversation with her. And this is what Jesus did. And I want the church to do this. I want Fuel Church. I can't speak for any other church, but this is the church that I get to lead. I want the church to do this because Jesus modeled this. And if the Savior of the world models this, his followers should model this. Jesus always connected with them before he corrected them. And I wish the church would get back to that because we're so easily pointing the finger. You're wrong. You're in sin. You're this and you're that. And we do it by the medium of social media, most of us. But Jesus just sits down and has some gains, rather, some relational equity. And I wish we could do that in the church. I wish we could go have a cup of coffee and gain some relational equity before we call them this and before we send them to hell. I wish we could go to lunch with them and get to know why they're hurt and why they're abusing that substance. I wish we could sit down and hear the hurt from their childhood so we can know why they're so standoffish in church and they don't trust anybody. I wish we could connect with them. I wish we could connect with them before we try to point the finger and correct them. I think the church has missed it. Say, Pastor, have we missed it as a church? No, I, I, I think this is a strong value of our church. I want to see it in more churches, though. Because I think the churches have driven people away from Christ, especially in the last 19 months. But the story I want to get to as I wrap up is the story about these church leaders and elders and pastors who came up to Jesus one day. And they had this woman. And they brought her to Jesus. And they said, Jesus, this woman right here committed adultery. And we caught her in the very act, the Bible says. Who was the peeping Tom, by the way? (laughs) Moving right along. Another message for another time. And they all had a stone in their hand. Because the law said, if if you commit adultery, you deserve to be stoned. The law said that. But Jesus... Religion said, kill her. Jesus said, I love her. I love her. And he looked one by one at those church leaders who all had their stone ready. They were angry. They were offended. We're ready. She's a sinner. She was caught in the act. We don't do stuff like that. No, we dot every I, cross every T when it comes to the law. And Jesus said, okay. You want a stoner? Fine. One last thing before you start throwing your stones. He who is without sin, you throw the first stone. You throw the first stone. And one by one, they dropped their stones. It's the first recorded ever Rolling Stones concert. 
That's for you, sir. Welcome to Fuel Church. When you're here, you're family. One by one, they drop their stones. And this is what I want to tell you, church. Let's not be a church. I don't think we are, but let's not be a church that always have the stone in our hand, ready to say, I'm right and they're wrong. They, they don't stand for righteousness because they voted for this and voted for that. I, I'm right, you know, and I'm not vaxxed or I'm vaxxed and I wear a mask and they don't wear a mask and, and we're fighting over foolish stuff that really doesn't matter in the big scheme of the kingdom that really has no merit, has, has nothing to do. We hold the stones. We're good at holding the stones. And your anger will justify your right to hold this stone. Your offense will justify your right. I deserve to hold this stone because they never made it right. They did me wrong. They hurt me. The church hurt me. God hurt me. Your anger will give you every right to hold on to this stone. You may not throw it, but it's in your hand. And for some of you, it's been in your hand for years. And you were taught by someone who had a critical religious spirit on you to call out everybody else's stuff. And you've had the stone for years. You've been in church, but you've held the stone. You worship with the stone. You serve with the stone. You give with the stone. And you look down on people because they sin different than you. And they were ready to stone her. And we live in a world that we may not physically stone people. I get that. But we do emotionally. We do mentally. We stone people with our words. We stone people with our judgment. And we throw stones all over social media. And this is what I want to tell you to do as I close my message, Fuel Church. Drop the stones. Drop the stones. I want you to hit your neighbor and say, drop the stone. Drop the stone. Drop the stone. Why? Because Jesus didn't call us to be right. Jesus didn't call us to make our point. Jesus called us to make a difference. He called us to love people. Let's stop being offended. Let's be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Why? Why? Because your life and my life is too short and your calling and the purpose on your life is too great to be offended by something so small in light of eternity. Let's love each other. Let's believe in each other. Come on, church. Bow your heads. I'm out of time, but not out of word. If you want more, come back next week. I'll be here. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you, God, for speaking to us. We know that the cup of poison is coming to us. Maybe today, maybe as we flip on social media, we, we're going to be tempted to drink that cup of poison, God. Lord, we thank you for your word, your word that encourages us. It gives us hope. It gives us hope. We know we're not perfect. We're in this flesh suit. It is not sanctified. Lord, we want to line up with what you say, your Holy Spirit says. We want to love people into the kingdom, not judge them. We want to love people into your house with hope. Give them a hope and a future that you have given them, God. So we thank you. We examine our hearts right now, each and every one of us. We examine our hearts and ask you to show us the areas that we need to be slow to speak quick to listen and slow to anger. If we've been trying to make our point, God, we're sorry. 
we want to make a difference. If we've been trying to say we're right, we're sorry. We want to love people like you loved us at our lowest. You loved us and we know we offended you. We turned our back on you hundreds of times and you still took us back in. You still loved us. I can't believe you love someone like me. It's amazing. I know I've broken your heart. I know at times I didn't trust you, but you still loved me. Help me to give this love back to your people. So many hurting, so many broken, so many lost, just like we were. Help us, God. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you. We need you. If you're here today and you're far from God, it would be my honor, it would be my privilege to pray with you. This is the most important part of today. If you don't know Jesus, if you are not in a relationship with him, today's your day. If you're hurting, broken, lost, today's your day. If you know that you need to serve Jesus, you need to surrender it all. If you used to serve him, but today you say, I need to surrender once again. It would be our honor to pray with you. We're not here to embarrass you, make you stand up or come up front. But before we pray with you, if you're in this place and you say, Jacob, that's me. I, want, I need to know God personally. Or I need to recommit my life to God. I want you to just slip your hand up so I could see it. And then you could put it right down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Four hands right in a row. I see you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of all the young people today, all day, surrendering their life to Jesus. It's not a greater life to live than for him. He's changed me. He's believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And he loves you right where you are. Yep. Someone in here says, but I'm struggling with a lot. He loves you. My sexuality has been questioned. I don't know. He loves you. I'm experimenting. He loves you. I'm on something. He loves you. Just come to him today. He's the only one that can change you from the inside out. I can't do it. This church can't do it. We can help you take steps, but he's the only one that can change you. I really feel that today for some young people, some teenagers in here. God is just looking for a surrendered heart, not for perfection. He was perfect. He was perfect. We are not. Let's say this prayer together. Say, Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. I believe in the cross. I believe it was for me that my sins were nailed to that cross. I thank you for giving me another chance, even when 
I didn't deserve it. I thank you for loving me at my lowest and believing in me. I accept you into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody put your hands together and rejoice today. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. You can take a screenshot, post it on your social media, and tag us. If you ever have the opportunity, we'd love for you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings. For more information on our locations and service times, please visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey. See you next week.